I am Finn Melanson, and you are listening to the Single Track Podcast. In this episode, we talk with Sam Parsons. Sam is one of the co-founders of Tin Man Elite, a pro running team based in Boulder, Colorado. As regular listeners of the show know, we often facilitate a discussion on this podcast about the potential for pro trail running teams in the sport. And that is why I was so excited to have Sam on. We spend the vast majority of this episode going through the playbook for how to build that team in the world of mountain ultra trail running. For Salt Lake area listeners, you know we have tried this before. And for fans of the sport, you know we've had forms of this before, like with the Coconino Cowboys. But really, in my opinion, only for a fleeting moment. I will say this conversation left me quite fired up to try again. I know if you've studied entrepreneurs and entrepreneurship in general, you know that it often takes two, three, four, five at-bats to getting a winning idea off the ground. So for anyone that wants to try this again, count me in. Let's get into this conversation with Sam, though. If his experience with Tin Man Elite and his messages don't get you fired up, I'd be shocked. Sam Parsons, welcome to the Single Track Podcast. Thanks for having me. So I got to put a disclaimer out there. This is primarily a mountain ultra trail running audience. So I think it's fair to spend roughly five to 10 minutes just glossing over the, the beginnings of Tin Man Elite and how it got started, the purpose where it's at now, stuff like that. So take it from there. Yeah. Yeah. We're a professional running team in Boulder, Colorado, born out of just like an idea that just running fast wasn't quite enough for us. And that we all were a bunch of just kids with like really big dreams. And we just happened to have this, I'd say perfect storm of like, uh, Reed being read a marathon on our team, having an English and PR background, myself having a marketing and design background, true being a superstar runner out of high school. And then just having this kind of, I'm not going to call us blue collar anymore, but like definitely when we started, we had that blue collar attitude that everyone in this sport heralds and wants to have next to their name where we slept on each other's floors and we all moved out here just under this like idea that the sport of running deserves more attention and notoriety and, and the people within the sport specifically deserve. And for us, I'll never forget, like a defining conversation was like with Reed and Drew one night at just at Drew's apartment and I was sleeping on the floor at the time and we were just like talking about what we want to do in our time here. And none, like basically, yeah, some of us said some stuff about like, oh, it'd be sick to be an Olympian. But like in reality, except for maybe Drew, none of us had any dream of possibly doing anything at like the international level in the sport. It much more was like, how can we like connect with an audience that like wants to be connected with so badly? Because that's who we were not too long ago. We were what all runners are, these skinny, nerdy kids in high school that like wanted someone to look up to and identify with and, so, and for someone to tell them that they were cool. And I think that is what has shaped what is Tin Man today is just like always having that runner at heart, but also as we've grown, understanding that no matter what age bracket, whether it's the person doing their first marathon or the high school kids signed up for 
a cross country season and is about to get thrown to the wolves in preseason, like someone to like, yeah, watch and be inspired by and someone that they can connect to and maybe one day call a friend. Very cool. And just so you know, for more context, one of the ongoing threads in this show is speculating on whether we're coming up on a time in the sport of trail running where the time is right for some sort of team to form, whether it's in Flagstaff or Boulder or Salt Lake City, yeah. Seattle, Bay Area, you name it. And it well, just I can, hasn't. I can break a little bit of news maybe for you. Uh, maybe you've heard it through the grapevines, but apparently I'm hearing a lot of rumblings of Hoka making a big move with uh, conjoining a lot of things together under one roof. I'm not going to say what roof, but seems pretty obvious, but sounds pretty cool that they might be having like a track road and trail team all together under one roof, which sounds amazing. And I'm upset. I didn't think of it first. So when you say under one roof, and I know that we're getting off on a tangent, but this is good. When you say under one roof, do you mean that all athletes are are living in the same town, training on the same under trails? one brand, under one name? Really? We'll see if it comes to fruition. I don't want to say little birds, but I definitely love to communicate with people in the sport. Not on Let's Run, I promise. And yeah, I just have a bunch of group chats with a variety of different professional runners, and I've heard people talk about it. And yeah, it's definitely raised my interest, and I I really do hope it comes to fruition because. I do through people like Andy Wacker and Cordis and um, Timothy Allen Olson, just by the nature of being in Boulder, like I do follow the sport. And I think it is something where it's like the same thing, like the way I view a track 5k or a mile or something, like I'm sure the same way that a lot of people view like a 50k race, like one of my best friends from college is now crushing the trails out in California, Aubrey Miser. Great guy. Oh, really? Oh, Aubrey's the man. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, we were roommates. I like got him to come to NC State for his fifth year and we lived together. But yeah. we, we tried to recruit him to Salt Lake City, but he ended up going out to uh, what was it, LA area. Yeah, for, that's right. But uh, we, we were trying to get him to stay here in Salt Lake because this is one of the meccas for our sport. Yeah, man. He's a savage man. And he'll be the first one to say it. he's his own worst enemy, like a lot of people are with the sport, where he's totally willing to run himself into oblivion that might cost him a few months out of the year every year because of what he's willing to do to his body in the process. Well, let me ask you this. So it is great to hear that there are some rumblings, like some of these brands are starting to like say, Hey, there may be some room in the sport for a formal team. But when I look to the track and road running world, there's a history in the sport of teams. So like Hanson's Bowerman, I think like Dina Castor had a team up in Mammoth Lakes, like you guys, Hoka Nazalite. It's already like a known entity in your sport. Like runners will come to the same geographic location to, tr- to live and train together, but it just hasn't really happened yet on the trails. We had this thing called the Coconino Cowboys. It was Jim Walmsley's group. It's yeah. somewhat disbanded from what I understand. I guess my question is, what's the formula? Like how did uh, like you and Drew and Reed, how did you recruit all these guys to Boulder? And I'm guessing that not everyone's fully sponsored. So like, how do you balance like the lifestyle and the workouts when everyone has like different jobs and stuff like that and different commitments? Yeah. um, I guess the first part of that with what's the formula, I think like the thing I would just preach the most throughout like the rest of this podcast is roll up your sleeves and get ready to do it yourself. Because I think a lot of people are like waiting for a brand or like something to bring them together and give them a purpose. And I would say what allowed us to have the 
impact we've had over the past few years is because we've done it ourselves. Like we never waited for anyone to do it for us. Mm. Um, When it came to like social media, when it came to performances on race day, like every single thing that we did, we took it on our own accord. And the formula really is like consistency for us right now, like as a business where it's like, we work our asses off, like to do what we do. Like I have Every Monday, you know, we meet for two hours and go over a media plan for the whole week. Like once every two weeks, I have a very long product meeting. You know, just recently, our whole team came together. who are on the business side of the team because our team is all working. We have Aaron, who's a, our product manager, who does all the and manages inventory, Reed does all the PR and writing. Um, of any sort of release that we do. Drew runs the Hammer and Axe training platform. Connor is our CEO of sorts that runs our finances and does all that stuff. And I work as like creative director where, you know, anything that ever gets put out, whether it's a video or a photo or a product, like will go through me or will the ideation of it will start with me and others on the team that I love to meet with guys like Joey and Goose and Brian, who are Mm. these really creatives also. And sit down with them and talk about what do you think would be cool. And I think that's the thing, like the success that we have had so far, it's because we've rolled up our sleeves and like done it ourselves. We haven't waited for a brand to say, hey, like we should sponsor these guys. We were doing all that like before Adidas or Whoop or anyone came aboard. Through the hard work, we were able to have sponsorships and able to like support guys on the team because like you said, not everyone's sponsored. Like a lot of our contracts, I mean, I can't go in details about it. Sure, like sure. because of the nature of... <coughs> The sport, unfortunately, I would love to, but it's supposed to support the team. It it has like a media budget. It has a travel budget. It has a coaching budget. Like it has a physio budget, but it wasn't meant to pay for guys' salaries, contracts. Like it was something that when I was negotiating the contract with Adidas back in 2019, they said, hey, look, like any person on the team is going to have to like earn it. Like they're going to have to qualify for teams. They're going to have to run world Olympic standards until they get their own contracts and sign their own contracts. I think, and to backtrack a little bit, like what's the formula? The formula, I think for a lot of people is like coming together and like figuring out your why. And I'm going to sound like a business class for a second, but I think it's important. If you're not willing to figure out why you're doing it, you're not going to last as long as you want in the sport. And we can use the Cowboys as an example. And maybe I didn't do my research enough, but I didn't know enough about why they were coming together. Like, why were they doing it? You know, like when Oregon Project first launched and this changed very quickly and rapidly, but everybody knew that their mission was to bring Olympic medals back to USA. Like they made that so clear and that was their why. And that's what we're going after. Cut, stone, slayed it you know and that was something for them to constantly go back to and rally behind and show that and you need to know why you're doing it and you need to refer back to that constantly you need to be able to stand on that foundation and that takes a long 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 time i feel like every other week i could see a new something something track club pop up on instagram whether it's it's people trolling or it's people actually trying to do something it's very easy to come up with a name it's very hard to figure out what that name means. That's the foundation that we took so, so, so much time talking and just spending time together with Reed, Drew and I, um, just talking about what we're doing, why we're doing it. And we just kept 
building that and building that until we knew exactly those next steps, which are the ones where you can just make it come to life with logo and things. Because if you know why you're doing it, you know exactly what you want to showcase in your logo. You know how to tell a designer, hey, this is our root. We're gritty. We're hardworking. We're compassionate. We're selfless people. Like, how do we showcase that? Because that's what you need to tell creatives to come up with brilliant things. So that's the foundation of the formula. So now you got to ask me the second part of the question now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think the second part of the question was, how do you coordinate everyone's schedules such that you can truly live the lifestyle together? You're going to workouts together. You're doing your easy runs together. You're traveling for races. How, how do you coordinate that? Because when I think about the trail running world, there's just a lot of really independent cats in our sport. Nobody can agree on the distances they want to train for together. Everyone has different workout philosophies. Buy-in is really difficult. And then yeah. of course there's just schedules. Like people have different jobs. They have different other priorities in life. And I know that you mentioned the, the term blue collar earlier, and maybe what we're lacking in the trail world right now is this blue collar mentality of like, yeah, I do have a lot of other competing responsibilities in my life, but having a team to run with and to run under is really important. And I'm going to pull out all the stops in terms of my free time to make it happen. And maybe that's what's happened with a Tin Man Elite in the beginning. I'm not sure. Yeah, for sure. At the early stages, like it's funny, like we had a adidas out for a photo shoot this week and we had to do practice in the morning so they could get the good lighting or whatever they needed they need to get the sunrise and then guys had to run the afternoon to get like the perfect blue light which was out of their schedules and i just say that as a funny joke now because goose one of the guys on our team one of the early guys on our team was like joking to be like we just really just rewinded the clock back to like 2018 2019 where it's like, we had to wake up, we did all our practices at 6.45, because that was the only time everyone could meet and get it done before work started, before Reed and Tyler and Connor and all the guys that weren't at the time on contracts can make it work. So yeah. And at the time, like, Drew and I didn't think twice about it. We were like, yeah, of course. And at the time, like, I didn't have a contract or anything either. So I was like, yeah, freaking running in Boulder, Colorado. I don't care. Like this is a dream already. I'm not going to stop that dream just because I don't want to wake up early. Like I remember like I lived up on like the mountain for like the first few months, just this professor's basement that like just loose, loose connections with. And yeah, there's definitely a lot of selflessness to it. And that selflessness can only come through a common shared belief of why you're doing it. And I'm going to keep saying that. Why? Like, you're never like, Finn, you're never going to be able to get the trail people to come together and do this route or that route or meet at a certain time, you know, unless you guys all come together and you're like, all right, like we're doing this because we want to look back at our twenties and thirties and be like, yeah, we got fucking after it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we did it together and whatever that why is like, it's what is going to make people like set aside their, whatever their, routine they're stuck in or whatever or maybe it's routine they want to be stuck in and it's also going to weed out the people that you probably don't want to train with anyway that don't want to be there that aren't willing to like take a step out of just themselves and look at like a bigger picture of what you guys could do or what spark you could create i mean i think about it too and this is just the entrepreneur marketer in me that's talking now where it's like yeah i can't imagine like how cool it would be if there was like a Tin Man Trail in Boulder. And the same way a kid in high school who's running miles on the track can like look at 
Drew or Cam or Goose and be like, oh, those guys are sick. I want to do that one day too. The same way some kids could be like, no, it's really not for me. Like track really sucks. You know, like I want to go like rip myself down mountains and crush myself up hills and like twist my ankle on single tracks and keep going. There's kids out there that I'm sure would go bonkers over that and find their freedom and refine, which like I hear all the time is like people refine their love of the sport through trail running and through ultras. And yeah, I can't imagine what the potential impact of a trail team could be to showcase to the next generation and even to people that maybe are just stuck doing road marathons. And they're like, this actually kind of sucks and really stresses me out when I could, you know, go to Moab and crush a hundred K and like feel the most alive I've ever had. And yeah, maybe you have your superstars like Killian and Timo and stuff, but like the power of a team, I think, and that community is something that is just a basic, like, what is it? Pablo's hierarchy of needs, like Maslow. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Like food, shelter, community, aren't those like first, like three, you know? So like, and being connected to that community. So that olive branch of if there could be a trail thing to have people connect with it and be a part of it and be able to buy a shirt and go out the door, even if they're a hundred miles away from Salt Lake and be like, yeah, like I'm going out the door because I identify with these people. Like that's truly powerful and so empowering. And I know that's why I'm still working my ass off with every little thing we do here is because I know there's little messages we get sometimes from someone that's like, yo, I'm doing it this way because you guys are, Hey, like I'm still crank or whatever it may be. We'll never stop that fuel to the fire. Hell yeah. Well, it seems like almost all post collegiate runners that harbor some sort of pro or semi-pro aspiration, they go to the track or the roads and they don't go to the trails, which has always interested me because there's still a first mover advantage on the trails. Like if you're somebody that's talented, like a Jim Walmsley, you can go and make just as much money in the trail world, probably more than you would at your talent level on the roads. So what's your take here? Like, why is it that there's still that default to go to the roads or the track? And do you see it changing anytime soon? I guess like my gut reaction is it's like an ego thing. Like it's like a personal ego thing where it's a lot easier to like chase those dreams that you were like set to chase throughout high school and college to be like, Hey, run this 5k PR, run this 10k PR. Like you still could PR, you know, that idea is in turn, just your ego talking to yourself. Like, Hey, like you still have so much more to give, you know, to this one specific area. Like, I heard Ben Flanagan say it the other day, I can't totally disband in the 5k on the track because I know there's still something there, you know? So I think that probably be the greatest driver is like, Hey, like I still need to sh- see so tangibly. And that's what track and roads are is it's like track specifically. It's like, it's so tangible. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that is in turn, like your ego talking of, Hey, like I need this time that I've been told this is the standard of being good and elite and the best, you know? And I don't think that trail running has that same tangible thing that you can grasp onto outside of maybe like a top five finish or like an FTK or whatever it may be to like latch onto and have that same self-fulfillment that we were like taught for like the first decade of our running career is like this time is going to get you to that fulfillment. And I don't think enough younger runners can understand that they can get that same fulfillment and more without that, that stereotypical standards of times and placing and stuff where, yeah. 
You mentioned a couple well-known names in the trail scene, Tim Olson, Cordis, uh, a couple other folks in Boulder. Give me your honest take. When you think about this world, like trail running, mountain ultra trail running, Western states, all of these brand names in the sport, like, what do you think? Because my understanding is that there's a lot of people on the road scene that kind of look down on the sport to some degree. And that's okay if you do too, but I'm just always curious to know what perceptions are like, because we're in such a bubble. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we all are in our bubble spin. Like, let's get that straight first. Like everyone that runs the mile or 1500 thinks that the 5k and 10k are boring and they couldn't right. fathom having to sit, actually sit through or, or even race one, you know? Right. And I think the 5k is the purest possible distance in our sport that has this culmination of mile or in 10k. It's like, yeah, I'm just in my own fucking bubble. Like where I'm sure a 10K runner could say the same thing. I'm sure someone would say a 50K or 25K is the right. purest essence of running or expression because it is for themselves. Yeah, for sure. I can be brutally honest. Like if you were to ask me in 2016, like what I thought about trail running, I would say like me being like my stupid college kid, like I would say it's like a cop out for you know running like a 10K on the track or like a half marathon. Like that's probably would be my response. Like, I'm like, oh, like they don't want to truly test themselves. So they run up in the mountains instead. Whereas like now I can laugh at that kid because I have gone on some trail runs, you know? And like, I basically walked down single track hills. And meanwhile, like Timo and Cordis will put a half a mile on me in two minutes. But yeah, I think that having those people, and I go back to what I was saying before, I think that the same way at Tin Man, like we are trying to show that you can be cool and run too and give that confidence to people that are get, just trying to get into the sport, but think that short shorts and sweaty shirts and that sort of thing is really lame. But if you have these figures, and I think you're seeing it more and more, like, I mean, Stephen Kirsch, like oh, yeah. Abby, like all these guys, it's like they're showing like that there's swagger to it, that there is style to it. There is this dimension of, yeah, you can have tattoos up and down your arms, you know, and like you can have this really gritty demeanor and personality. And it isn't just this like hippy dippy thing of running just into the trails and stopping whenever you want, you know? So I think, I think trail running just it's, it's going to take more time to break those barriers down and have more like personalities, like you just said, like younger kids that are going to get into the sport and like really shake the scene up to make it more and more respected across like every running channel. It's because I do wonder if you asked, like if you made a poll of kids like D1, D2 college runners right now, like what is their perception of trail running? Is it cool? Do you respect it? Is it lame? Is it irrelevant? You know what I mean? Like, I wonder how many would have answered the same way that I would have answered in 2016. Well, you're a marketer. You think in terms of persuasion in probably a lot of areas of life, if you were charged with helping to grow awareness about our sport, to get more people into it, to change minds, how would you do it? Or what are, where would you start? What are some ideas you have? Yeah. I mean, the starting point for anyone within marketing is finding the stories. It's like finding the stories that are going to allow anyone to connect with. And it's going to allow people to like understand it on a deeper level past just what's happening within the realm of the race itself. Like it's those stories like Tommy, like he was just on the Rich Roll podcast, like how much of that podcast was just retelling the fucking 
like heart-wrenching story of his upheaval yeah. like that's something that like any person can connect with and so many people maybe are going to listen to that podcast and be like fuck i need to run a marathon if he can you know what i mean like i need to go to boston now because it's something that if he had the, that type of experience with it and life is so volatile that i need to make the most of it you know and we can just use aubrey as an example just because he's yeah one of my best friends i would want to tell his story like through every possible medium I can like what what you do now through single track is like figuring out how to tell a story in a way that's gonna and obviously I gravitate to a video platform like I think like showcasing something that you can really see the person and see their face and see their emotions and being able to connect with that is like the most surefire way for people to become a part of that community. So for Aubrey, I would tell his story of his struggles in NCAA and being stuck within this system of like being stuck in the system of like the stress anxiety he would go through before a race. And then how that all of a sudden changed for him when he could just get out and go on a trail and not really have to think twice about how long he was going that day. He just wanted to see how fast he could get to the top mm. and then back down, you know, it's and like a, to, it's like a return to first principles when it comes to running. Totally. Totally. So I think just like finding those stories that are going to allow people to like identify with it is where I would start. And then of course, as you see, like within every sport, you have to find like the people within it that are going to be able to like have the best constant vulnerability in order for people to come along the journey with them yeah. and just continue to elevate those people. And the challenge for those people is to bring people along with them. So like Grayson Murphy, like yeah. Grayson is someone that I look up to, like she's constantly hustling when it comes to the stuff she's doing, promoting herself, the races she runs, you know, but it would be the type of thing. Like I would challenge Grayson, like, Hey, like it's time for you to now, recruit a couple college girls to come train with you and teach them how you did it. Like, how cool would that be all of a sudden? Like having this girl who has crossed the threshold of being an all-American steeplechaser to one of the best trail women in the world now. And like, you have to find those superstars and those people that are going to potentially bridge gaps and build bridges for people to cross. And yeah. If I was Saucony, I would be like, hey, Grayson, identify 10 people out of the NCAA that you think that could be really like gritty and tough at the next level yeah. and that next level of being trail running and like, let's ship them all out and train with you. So it would be those type of things. I guess I covered the storytelling if I had money and yeah. We've entertained this question quite a bit on the show and we haven't heard this perspective and these are some really novel ideas. So I dig it. I want to pivot back to Tin Man, and I'm always fascinated by people who think entrepreneurially, that build brands, and you fit that bill. But you did have some work experience before. You did an internship at Adidas, and I'm curious. Like I know a lot of internships can be washed. You're like just doing really menial work. But was there any work at Adidas or any moments there that inspired what you do today with Tin Man Elite? Yeah, great question. And this might be, this might get a little sappy, but a lot of the work I did at Adidas was exactly what you just said. It was very uninspiring. I was making presentations of products to give to my boss so that he could give them to run it, like to 
different BUs, like business units, like the exporting goods and East Bay and stuff and present them and try to yeah. sell them different products. And like it was the opposite of like why I wanted to intern at Adidas, but that's the reality of a lot of jobs, but you have to find like the sparks within those spaces that are going to inspire you and teach you things. And the fortunate situation I was in Adidas was I had the ability to, like I was flexible. Like I was able to finish that work because it was so rudimentary and then go on to the next thing and go talk to the next person. I love networking and meeting new people. And yeah, I would just go down to the running bee because I worked in tennis and annoyed those people. And I would sit next to the cute designer in turn and see what she was working on all day. And I would learn and I would see like why she was shaping a shoe this certain way or why she was doing a colorway a certain way. Or I would go to just like any realm within like the different business units within Adidas and just like whether it was merchandising or product or sports marketing or whatever it may have been and like just learn my little two cents where I could. And I think like the biggest moment for me was just, I remember like, sitting down with this guy Flo, who like is no longer with Adidas running. He was with like Adidas skate. And then he was like on the cool kids team Adidas that gets to do all the cool collaboration stuff with the Kanye West of the world and the really cool people. But I remember him just like sitting me down and a few others and basically like giving us like free reigns on what we think would be cool with a running shoe. There was no like script and there, it was total just creative freedom with it. And we just came up with this thing about like how the shoe would basically come white and it would come with like pens and markers like it's very just simple like stupid like stupid idea and you would just get to create the shoe yourself like at home and uh, certainly been done before and but it gave us the space to like totally think freely without judgment and that's something that I hadn't had previously in my life was like having teachers and mentors that like really just gave me the reins like in school and like traditional schooling we're like given a book and you have to write the paper on the book. All of a sudden it was like, what do you think? And I think just having that freedom to like not be hard on yourself and giving creative freedom was this ultimate two pillars in order for growth within myself. Like all of a sudden I was able to like be really creative and not judge for it. No matter what I said, like he could have easily laughed in our faces by the time we'd done that and been like, we're not going to send freaking expo markers within a white shoe. You know what I mean? Like you idiots like that. The margins are going to be so bad on that and no one's going to buy it or care about it. So that was like my light bulb moment where I'm like, man, if you can approach situations or building a team or doing anything at the simplest level yeah. without judgment and true creative thinking on your own, you're going to get, you're going to grow from that and you're going to come up with something, whether it's garbage the first time, but second or third or fourth or fifth, sixth time. I think there's a really cool lesson in what you described earlier in the internship, which is that you didn't stay passive. You didn't accept the circumstances of like how your role was described. You took it upon yourself to like literally walk over to other areas of the business to learn and to pick up things. Like you didn't stay yeah, passive. I didn't know anything about tennis. <laughs> yeah. like, like, like my boss hired me in tennis because I remember in my exit interview and probably be mad if I was telling you, telling this on a live podcast now, but my boss in tennis, uh, I like asked him, I was like, Nathan, like, why did you hire me? Like, true. Like I have to know. And this was like in our exit interview. So like, yeah, yeah. who cares? You know? And he was like, honestly, Sam, like out of all the people I interviewed, I thought you'd be the only person that I'd really just get to like, that would go to lunch with me and have a beer 
or like I'd be able to just get to work with without feeling like I constantly had to like give you work and be like stressed about it. And that you had to, that I had to do this amazing job. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I was like, God, that was like refreshing that you didn't have to like sit here and be like, you were brilliant or you were this or that. <laughs> like, it's like, no, I just was like very authentic and shot him straight in my interviews. And he just wanted to hang out with me for the summer. And yeah, I just going off what you just said, I just like, I would, work really hard on my presentation or whatever thing I had to do for him, a little graphic tee that day. And then I would say, hey, is there anything else you need me to do? Is there absolutely anything else, you know? And then when he would say, no, I'd just run down one floor to the running department or run up one floor to the soccer department. When it comes to building the Tin Man Elite brand, where do you get your inspirations from both inside of running and outside? Like, where do you look to get ideas? My girlfriend recently roasted me on this because there's a lot of brands just like that I love, like Amy Leon Door and Noah and these like kind of fashion brands that I get a lot of inspiration from for like product and the way they do storytelling and things like that. She roasted me for it because she basically told me she was like, you need to look for inspiration, like not always just within other brands and products, but like within your daily life. Mm. Uh, and she... And it was just such a great point where it's like, I need to spend way more time looking around and like within the team, within Boulder, within our personalities to find inspiration for new stories, for new ways to new graphics for products for it all. So like, certainly there's tons of people I follow on Instagram that do graphic design or people that post their different shoe designs um, and things like that, that like the way they molded them or drew them in certain ways are so inspiring. But yeah, I mean, I remember when the Cowboys team was starting, they used the same artist that drew our logo. I don't know if you knew that. It was Bobby Peavy, a trail runner himself. And I remember being like, oh, this is sick. Like, this is really cool. And I know Kirsch like has a marketing background and he's like a storyteller himself. Like, I, I cannot wait to see what comes of this, you know? And it does come back. It's a lot of work and you just have to really know why you're doing it. Yeah. You talked earlier in the show about how you take content production pretty seriously at Tin Man. Like every Monday you have a weekly meeting. Is that correct? Yeah. So maybe talk a bit about the overall social media and content strategy like what goes on behind the scenes, who's involved and how you balance all that with the transactional nature of the business too, like selling merch. Yeah. The media planning meeting is something that I think that like, and I, and I think just like by nature, like when the whole, like the whole fallout with our coach this past year and our performances just being like on the very worst or bottom tier of any professional running team this past year. And I hear this criticism all the time because like you asked about like trail running for the brutal honesty, like I, I do the same thing because it is important not to live in your bubble and actually hear what other people think in order to like actually make some change or something and gain the perspective on it in order to change it. And yeah, when I would ask people about Tin Man, like the perception for a lot of people is like, oh, you guys just care about like social media and growing your platform and in turn able to like sell shirts. And that's what I think you guys are all about, you know? Mm. And I think that like the runners themselves spend way too much time caring about that stuff also, instead of focusing on 
getting out the door and working hard. And I think that's like a message that was like well received in terms of like, okay, that's great, but you have no idea like why we do that media planning meeting is so that I don't that we don't have to think about it for the rest of the week. Yeah. That we can totally dial in and just go about it. And luckily, like we have we hired Max McNearney, like our brand manager. He's working full time for us. He's right there giving me fist pumps right now that I mentioned him on the But uh, we're not the ones doing it. Max busts his ass and he's a storyteller at heart also. And he's the one taking pictures, taking videos, is the one executing it. And I think that's like a very, very simple, small thing that I think is so, so overlooked is that and it was the type of thing where it's like i just looked at what other professional teams were doing not in running space because there's there wasn't a lot of good examples in it because of just the nature of the turnaround with professional teams in the sport like you see a team pop up for an olympic cycle or two olympic cycles and they're gone you know but it was the type of thing where like uh every professional basketball team college college basketball team has has a kid that's taking pictures and videos for them. Every single basketball practice, every single meet, there's someone there doing it. And guess what? Those guys that are playing basketball go and fucking play basketball. And and, then they compete and they focus on that and they don't think twice about it. It's the exact opposite, I would say even, that we're the ones that care about social media. No, 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 no. That you, the other professional runners that have to run around and try to find a photo from photographers and have to get their friend to film them for a second during their rep or ask their coach to film them for a rep or something. They're the ones that are more focused on social media than we are because we have a guy that does it all for us and just has a Dropbox and sends it to our group chat and says, Hey, here's some stuff from today. If anyone wants to post anything and boom, click on the bit, download it, post it five minutes out of your day done. And there's even times where Max taken over guys on the team's Instagram accounts for time periods when they are focusing on racing. Like I know Reed gave uh, Max's account for a little bit. Drew did and our old interns. Yeah. And I just think that like, I just think it's a piss poor excuse for any team to think that if they had someone in media working for them, it's going like, to take away from their performance or something. Yeah. Like it's just like, no, it's because you're selfish and you don't want to share share what you're actually doing at training camp. Or I see it as, and that maybe it's the most brutal way to look at it, but it's like when we, here's, here's, here's a great example, Finn, is like when we did our internship last year, we just set up this, just Google Doc where we're like, hey, fill out who you are. We don't care about your experience, whatever. If you're going to come out here and work hard, you can hold an iPhone camera and that's enough. iPhone is great. Half our stuff that we make is just on our iPhone. Don't overthink it. Don't think you need to buy some fancy camera and mic and all this stuff in order to make good content. I, I don't want to just veer off into like a Gary Vee speech, but uh, <laughs> we had 300 people sign up to be an intern. Don't tell me there's a lack of like creatives in our sport. And over half of these interns were far, far and away more than we could have ever, ever asked for because they had video editing experience. They were photographers yeah. <laughs> already. They were all of these things. And it's like, don't tell me that every single professional running team out there should have some college kid for the summer at very, very least be following them around and just giving them stuff to post at a drop of a dime. And we were luckily in the situation financially that we were able to support our interns but I can guarantee you there is a hundred, at least a hundred of those 300 kids, because I know I would have done it, 
just because they, I was told I had a couch to sleep on. One more question on the content front. And by the way, I'm in your camp on all of that. Do you feel like when you're thinking about content strategy, A, how do you stay fresh? Like, how do you keep the content novel or is that even an important thing? And then B, do you feel like you struggle for material or are there plenty of more stories to tell on the Tin Man front? Yeah. um, Having conversations is like the best possible way I could answer that question is like those media meetings are always about just challenging each other. Mm. And a lot of it is just like checking the boxes, being like, hey, we have to do a sponsored post this week. We have to do this. Don't forget like this is happening this weekend. So it's like checking those boxes. But a part of those meetings, and I guess it doesn't matter if I say this because I know no other professional running team is having weekly media meetings or product meetings, but I constantly ask myself, how do we stay a step ahead? And that's what you just asked. How are we constantly doing things that other people aren't doing? Because the greatest compliment anyone can ever give to me, whether it's directly to my face or by doing it is doing stuff like us, because that's how I know that we affected some sort of change is like, man, they're posting videos like that because they realized they had to start to keep up to start. And then that in turn is what our mission statement is how to push the sport of running forward is making other people do it too. That is how you really create an impact is when all of a sudden all these other professional runners are like, fuck, I have to make a YouTube channel now, or damn it, I have to film myself running for this beautiful 10 second clip and this beautiful shot, you know what I mean? Or whatever it may be. So I think a lot of it is just like challenging yourself to have a conversation with someone about what you could be doing. And a lot of it is just like, hearing outside perspectives on it. I know people do it all the time, but listening to your community goes a long way. I think that's one thing that if people listen to them enough, there's a lot of brilliance within it because those are the people that you want to make happy and like figuring out like, oh, they really don't care about this montage. They really care about the banter between Joey and I, the minutes before our hardest rep and figuring out those little things. And I guess the stuff that I'm asking myself all the time is what would I want to see if I was on the outside looking in? And that's where the, quite literally the inside Tim Man Elite was like born out of, out of that just rudimentary idea of like, if I like, man, I would kill to see what Wamsley is doing and how he's interacting with his teammate like during this mile or this segment or like when they're going like just straight up the hill and they have their hands on their knees like barely moving like those like and I think the biggest thing that I'm constantly looking for is like vulnerability because vulnerability is like the single most is the thing that people connect with the most like I say all the time like The modern day celebrity is not the person that's showing up to the red carpet in the Louis Vuitton suit anymore. It's the modern day celebrity is the Emma Chamberlain who is showcasing everything she's doing all the time and is willing to share ups and the downs and all those things in between. Because that's the people person now that people are going to gravitate to. It's not the Johnny Depp that shows up once a year. And it's what Bowerman gets a lot of crap for is like showing up to the red carpet, running really fast and disappearing again. And I think that's a harsh critique on them because they do do a lot for the community and they do do a lot of things like outside of just that, but they don't share, at least on their social media platforms, like how sick would it be to see like a clip? I, I know this is what I want to see 
like personally, like I want to see the moment between like Woody and Grant during their training build up before they won the 10 K where like Woody got dropped, you know what I mean? Or like they finished this rep and then Grant was like, Oh shit, my calf is blowing up. Like I heard stories of Tokyo that he like didn't run in between his 10 K and 5 K because his calf was so bad. Like how cool of a story would have that been for someone to like see a little part of that. And obviously those moments are also the hardest to capture because they are the most vulnerable when the cameras shouldn't be rolling and don't want people to hear you. But I think that's how you gain connection the best. So like, that's what I try to do with the Tim and stuff is like, keep the camera rolling past when you cross the finish line, because that's where you're going to get the stuff. The phrase we use on this show is working in public or working with the garage door open. That's right. And I'm just always blown away at how much the audience enjoys like the mundane, the melancholy, not the glamour content. Like on this show, if I look at the metrics, like we do this thing called state of the single track and that has the most downloads. And I was just watching this as a YouTuber. I follow his name's Gox Art. And he has this video called spray painting my room while my parents are away. I'll send it to you, but it's absolutely brilliant. But the whole video is the lead up to him, like finishing the product. Yeah. And it's just so captivating. And you're right, man. Like the, the Johnny Depp versus uh, the other person you mentioned, like that's the perfect example. The audience enjoys the process more than we realize. Like it's not billboards anymore. It's the process. Yeah, for sure. It is like when I think about those flow track series that I loved and was so inspired by back in the day of like. I don't remember the workout Centro ran when he was filmed by FlowTrack. I remember the moment when he was in the weight room and he was like, should I go like down two or up five? Like I need to ask myself how good I'm going to be today. Like I could literally quote that verbatim because it was this moment that anybody can relate to when they're in the weight room doing their cross training and they're like, fuck, should I use the five pound weight or the 10 pound weight today for like my core or whatever, you know? And I made that joke all throughout college. Like, yo, are we going up five or down 10 today, you know? And it's those little nuanced moments that like people are going to connect to. And that's in turn what like forms culture within anything. I want to circle back to the fact that, well, there might be one being built, but to date, there is no official on the books trail running team in our sport. Other than I what you've shared so far I today. He does Terex to start one under a Tin Man roof. I know, I know. <laughs> but yeah, let's assume that nothing's been built yet and that someone out there, if you're listening, go build it. What lessons do you have for them based on what you've learned in the past couple of years at Tin Man Elite? <clears throat> Make the plan, build the foundation. Like, I know that's a boring, like, I'm just going to reiterate the things I think I already said, but it really yeah. is just stuff that I think is going to be the most impactful where it's look like, be ready to do it yourself. Don't wait for someone else to do it for you. That's number one. Don't wait for a creative to come to you with some brilliant idea. Take the time to think of it yourself and talk to your friends about it. Figure out your why and build that foundation strong because no matter what you go through and it's, yeah, like I can use us as a great example now where it's like, yeah, we went through like the worst possible year we could have gone through with performance, with the falling out with our coach, you know, like like Connor and I, I remember made like a five, like we made like a five-year plan back in 2018. And like just recently at our end of the year, like review, we like look back at that plan at the, and at the end of the plan, it had like, okay, what are the things that could derail this? What are the things that could potentially end this? What could end Tin Man Elite? And I think we checked 
like seven of the 10 things that we wrote down. So that plan was something where we knew those risks were there. Loss of sponsorship, lack of performance, all those, whatever. But I think, yeah. And I think uh, surround yourself with creatives, I think is some of the best advice I've ever given. Mm. Surround yourself with people more creative than you, whether it's an artist, whether it's just a free thinker, whether it's a journalist, like whoever it may be, like just surround yourself with those people because I know it is for me when I get on a whiteboard and I have two or three other people around me, I can fill out that whiteboard in 10 seconds versus if I'm by myself, like 10 man elite line, like why, how, what, like that would take me a long time to like really just do it myself. But when I have a lot of other people to be like, well, what about this? And they're like, no, you're an idiot. Or like, oh no, this is cool. No, 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 no. That's even cooler. Or like, and like being able to give yourself that space with other creatives or let's drop the phrase creative because I bet a lot of people listening probably like, oh, well, I'm not a creative, you know, that's bullshit. It's the same story that I said back with Adidas. It was like, I never considered myself a creative or a free thinker or anything. Like I thought I was going to be making presentations for Adidas, like after I graduated college and because it was a cool company, I could write it off and be like, yeah, this is a, this is an okay thing. Creativity just comes from giving yourself the space to be creative, period. Mm. Um, so everyone is a creative if they're willing to give themselves the space and without judgment backing those, going back to that same story we talked about before. And yeah, just going off the last thing is just like, don't judge yourself for every fucking thing you do. It's so good to judge yourself because you'll grow through it, but it'll also be your biggest handicap because it's going to stop you from doing something because you're thinking about what this person or that person might be thinking or how they might view it. So yeah, bring going about stuff with intention for the people that you really care about, not trying to like appease every single person, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And I would also say, if you get to the point where you're being parodied and made fun of, you've made it, you should be celebrating. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we got trolled harder so hard this past year and like at first you're like wait a second like fuck those guys what the hell you know what i mean and then you learn to take a step back and you're like oh that's actually you are worth being commented on or it's like oh like people are actually paying attention now stuff like that like there there definitely is a lot of those virtues with inside there so yeah going into it head first i think is a huge thing that's what we did and finding people like-minded like that's going to take you further than anything else. And I think like what you said, like, I think that's the thing that you're struggling with right now is finding the same people that are as like-minded as you may be right now within yeah. your community to like want to do this and bring this to life, you know? Yeah. But I think that if you start it and you start doing it the same way that because you asked me the question, I never really answered it at the beginning of the podcast. Now that I'm remembering it is you said, how did you get those people to come to border with you? Yeah. It was simply by doing it. It was simply Reed, Drew and I and Tyler just doing it. We went out and we ran together and we started it and it was so small and we never had aspirations of how do we get 10 people? How do we get a woman's team? How do we do this or that? You know what I mean? It was simply just like back to the hierarchy of needs community. Like people will come if you have something there, like the little team out with Ben True. I'm blanking on their name now, North Northwood Athletics. Yes. I love what they're doing right now. Yes. I guarantee you there's at least 10 or 20, if not 100 college kids right now that look at that and they're like, I might want to move out there and do that. I might go out there. I might actually just do it. And there might be actually three that actually do it and actually 
reach out to Fred and Ben and be like, Hey, can I come out? I don't need anything. Just let me run with you guys. Because that's basically what everyone did on Tin Man Elite. That's what I did. I like just messaged Drew and I was like, Hey dude, do you think I could maybe do some miles with you? And that was like it. Like we had no aspirations of anything else other than that. So if you can't already tell, I really want this to happen in the trail <laughs> world. And we've tried this in Salt Lake a couple of times and it just didn't have legs. That's not to say it couldn't happen again. And I think any entrepreneur would tell you, you got to take like four or five at bats sometimes before something can work. So dude, I really, really appreciate you coming on, giving us your time and just showing us what the playbook is like for Tin Man Elite and in the road and track world. Wanted to ask you a couple miscellaneous questions before we go. What is a recent book, movie, podcast, uh, TV show you've consumed that has changed the way you think and is worthwhile sharing with the audience? Nice. I watched The Alpinist on Netflix recently. Beautiful, beautiful, just perspective on life and you know why to pursue anything and why anything matters as long as it matters to you and if it gives purpose to you. So that was very beautiful and just epically badass in, this, in the same way. One of the most impactful films for me, documentaries that, I'll, that I've ever um, watched is Momentum Generation. And it was like probably the biggest uh, like inspiration for like Tin Man and what we did and what we're doing now and like what the, just the whole nine. It's this surfing documentary about like how surfing had its boom Ooh. with like Kelly Slater and Rob Machado and like how they all basically just Shane Dorian. Yeah. Shane Dorian. Yeah. And they all just moved out to Hawaii to like the North shore and just fucking threw themselves at the waves and until they became professionals. And that's very much how basically everyone on Tin Men, like Joey, Reed, myself, none of us deserve to be professionals, but we were willing to throw ourselves into the big waves and get tossed around until we came out the other side, riding them, riding them. Nice. The uh, Avatar, The Last Airbender, it's like a kid's show, but it has just endless virtues and of mindfulness. And it's a carefree watch. And if you get through maybe the first season, it starts getting really deep and beautiful with it, with learning how to find your inner peace. The Miracle of Mindfulness is probably one of the most impactful books I've ever read. And you can read it in one sitting. I listened to a podcast about Web3 recently. That was sick. Yeah. I don't read really as much as I should. I should have a better book for you. So I'm going to uh, put some emphasis behind Momentum Generation. That is a fantastic documentary. Yeah. First time it's been mentioned on this podcast, and uh, I can't believe it took 22 episodes. That is a great documentary. Great recommendation. What are you listening to this, these days when it comes to music? Who's your favorite band right now? I listen to Kid Cudi a ton. I listen to a lot of like... Tribe Called Quest. I listen to a lot of like older rap stuff, like Pete Rock, Gangstar. Yeah, exactly. I just love like the like that kind of like jazzy flow that they bring to rap music and stuff, and the storytelling. Like I listen to a lot of old Nas. Yeah. Other than that, I, I do listen to a ton of like Ben Howard. Also, he's like a very beautiful musician, and I just like love hearing his voice. Like it's probably the music that like calms me down and makes me smile the most. Yeah. Ben Howard is great. Last question. You were given a billboard to put a message on for all to see. What does it say? Be easy on yourself. Perfect place to put a pen in it. Sam, again, 
I've really enjoyed this conversation. I think a lot of people who are listening are probably being introduced to you for the first time, which is great. If people want to follow you on social or they want to learn more about Tin Man, uh, where do you want to direct them? Yeah, I guess I would start by just going back to some of our YouTube videos. And if you want to hear about all that bad stuff that went down this past year, like we have a three-part series on YouTube just called Inside Tim and Elite. And you'll, you'll eventually find the ones I'm talking about. I think that'd be the best place for people to learn a little more and get a glimpse into like our lives. And then if you want to follow anyone else along the way, like we have it all in there. So that's where I'll direct them. And then like the be easy on yourself thing. I just wanted to say one last thing on that. With everything we talked about today, from the business side of things to like pursuing inner peace or to get better at a sport, like the quickest and best practice you can do for it is to be easy on yourself. These are harder you are on yourself. Like the when I'm doing product or coming up with a media solution or something, a lot of the time I'll like almost deprioritize it in order to prioritize it in order for me to think freely and in order for it to actually get done. I need to like let go of the constraints of actually doing it in order to do it. And I know that sounds really backwards, but if you read the book, Miracle of Mindfulness, it'll, that all of that will make a lot more sense to you. It's this beautiful yin and yang kind of relationship. Amen. Sam, thanks again. Hopefully we can chat soon. And I'm a big fan of what you're doing and what you've built with Tin Man Elite. Hopefully uh, you have inspired Tin Man Elite for trail running in some capacity. Cheers. Thank you so much, Ben. Thanks for listening. As always, if you liked the episode or you are an overall fan of the podcast, please consider sharing this on social media and the same goes for leaving a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. Until next time, it is a pleasure to have these conversations and to serve the trail running community.